And we're live. Hello, folks, and thanks for tuning in to the Shagulala Salami Show. I'm your host, Shagulala Salami. If this is your first time listening to the show, the show is a virtual cafe with a group of book lovers chatting about indie books over virtual coffee. We talk about self-published. Uh, we talk about books by self-published authors, from fiction to non-fiction, romance to sci-fi, as well as industry news. I have a one-year-old assistant, so you may hear her every now and then contributes to the discussion. Today on the show, I have with me um, Deb Hockenberry and Nicole. I'm not really sure how to pronounce her name, but we'll come back to that. Deb Hockenberry. Um, is a children's book author and she's got her first debut book called Where Can We Have the Party Coming Out Soon and it's for children aged 4 to 8. She's also been published in several um, industry and uh, in several online magazines. Hello Deb. Hello. And also it's Nicole Delacroix. 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 I wasn't sure how you pronounced that. Um, she's an author and a blogger and an avid Twitter, closet anglophile, and a member of the Atlanta Writers Club with addictions to British tea, Doctor Who, and, so and, and soccer. Welcome, Nicole. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so very happy to be here. Thanks for having here. So today, um, it's virtual coffee, you know, in a virtual cafe. I'm having my nice virtual big mug, extra chocolatey, extra milky hot chocolate. What are you ladies having? I have a bottle of water on the other side of the table that I forgot to bring over here because I'm an idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I have, a, I have a big mug of tea waiting for me. Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, today we just seem to have us three ladies. Um, we were meant to have with us um, Braxton Cosby, um, who's the author of the book we were meant to be discussing today, called Fat Free for Life. Um, but unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, he couldn't actually make it. Um, so it's just going to be us ladies viewers. Um, Amazon seems bent on world domination, world domination of the digital world. I'm not even going to go into the number of pies that it has its hands into, but one very notable one is the book world. Apart from purchasing Goodreads, which is like the Facebook for book lovers, it has a number of other arms, including CreateSpace. The good thing about this is that it has altered the game with regards to publishing books. Now, anyone with a computer and internet access can become a published author in a matter of minutes. Deb, what's your take on this? Um, I'm not worried about Amazon taking over everything and being a monopoly. They, it is the, you know, the way they seem they're headed, though. It, I think it's great that there are other self-publishing companies around that are giving them competition. It gives them a run for their money and that they have to step up their game. And now I think Amazon's create space is a great, great way to for a person to be published when they can't find their traditional publisher for their book. And I'm winging it. <laughs> you know, some publishers will have on their website things that will look like your book is a good fit and then when you read their, their guidelines they're not so always read the guidelines 
Oh yes, I mean, I guess you mean when you're contacting a publisher, um, you know, to see if they would consider publishing your book. Yeah, no, no, not really. When you go to the publisher's website or mm -hmm. read in a marketing book about them, yeah, they'll, they'll it'll sound like they're a good fit for your book. Yeah. But when you get to their website and read their submission guidelines, yes, you know you'll see exactly what their standards and terms, and they have might have themes, monthly themes, and everything. Yeah. You'll find that your book is not a good fit. Yeah. That's what I meant by that. I'm sorry yeah. if I worded it wrong. No, 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 no. That's fine. So basically, what you're saying, you know, is that you know, it's. Amazon has created benefit for a lot of people over yes. what you would find, you know, with traditional um, publishers because most of the time they have thousands of email submissions. Well, I can assume they've got, you know, thousands of submissions, what they call the slush pile. So by using Amazon now, you know, and as well as you know the other all the other self-publishing platforms, it's given people more choice. Yes, and if you can't find that market through the traditional publishers, you can just turn to CreateSpace. Like you said, you have you have a choice. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. You know, that's quite a, a an interesting point. Um, how and about? We have, sorry, pardon? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, now we have the choice of ebook or print or both. Yes, yes, no, definitely. Sure. Um, and how about you, Nicole? Do you think we should be worried about Amazon dominating the digital world? Um, absolutely not. I'll start with that. Um, traditional publishing, as any agent or publisher is going to tell you, is both a very small world and incredibly highly subjective. Yeah. Um, what this used to mean is that you had a small group of people that were deciding what really ended up on the shelves of the local bookstore. Yeah. and that's when Amazon jumped in and took a calculated risk and opened up that door to the multitude of talented people out there that maybe weren't getting noticed by the traditional publishers. Yeah. And I know that I've tried to find an agent, I've tried to find a publisher, and I, I agree with Deb. Maybe I didn't fit in with the same um, submission guidelines or their, their books or what they were doing, even though I thought we were a good fit. They didn't. Um, and I think that for the most part agents and publishers do try to be very open to all kinds of writing as long as it's good, but I think that their personal tastes and the trends do take precedent and a lot of authors tend to go unnoticed. And I praise Amazon because they opened that door to those of us that maybe don't follow the beat of the traditional publishing group and we're outside of what would be considered the norm and I think not only does it give authors more of a choice but it also gives readers more of a choice because now anybody can put their book out there and as long as it's good writing they're going to find people who are going to want to read it. No, that's that's good. Um, thanks for that. Um, I, I think it's something that you know a lot of aspiring authors you know would like to um, to know. Um, I caught up with um, Dr. Braxton before the show, um, and I asked him you know what one tip he would give to an aspiring author uh, with regards to Amazon. And his reply was, "What I've found successful in the past is to get readers to connect with you on a personal level. That can be through charts, parties." weekly dialogues and teachings. When they understand who you are and the objectives of your writings, they're much likely to leave a review once they've re completed reading your book. 
Um, so, Deb, what do you think about Nook and Kobo, and where do you think they stand in relation to Amazon's Kindle? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. The furnace is on. All right, you've got a furnace. Oh my word, it's noisy. All right, okay. No, I was asking, what do you think about um, um, Kobo and Nook, and where do you think they stand in relation to Amazon's Kindle? I still didn't get you. I'm sorry. Well, did you get that though? Hello. She she didn't quite hear you. I don't know if she can hear me any better, but she wanted to know, Deb, what your thoughts on the Nook and the Kobo would be, as opposed to Amazon. I really can't say. I have a Kindle and I love it. I I've never I've never played around with a Nook or the Kobo. Right. Okay. Um, and why is that though? Why did you choose um, Amazon's Kindle over Nook and Kobo? Ah, really? It was a gift from my cousin. It, it was a combination birthday present, Christmas present. You know, <laughs> that's how I got into the Kindle. Cool. And what about you, Nicole? What do you think about Nook and Kobo? Well, I will be honest with you. I have a very lovely friend who has a nook and could not pry it from his dead hands if you wanted to. Um, I think both the Kobo and the nook are great platforms. Um, again, I, I, I'm with Deb. I, I have a Kindle. My mother has a Kindle. My aunt has a Pretty much everybody I know has a Kindle. And if you ask me why, it's because Amazon is the mothership. And I buy everything from Amazon. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And funny enough, you know, I've I've got a um a Kindle as well, and I've also got the app on you know my laptop and my you know and my phones. And here's my little human. She's laughing at that because you know she's always seen me on the phone reading my books. Um, I was actually quite resistant to change. Um, I have a friend before I became an author went on this journey. Um, she she was you know she was the first person who told me about. Ebooks, and I was like, no, I don't want to use ebooks. I prefer prefer to have a proper, you know, paperback. You know, turning the pages. You know, and then there is that nice new smell of new book. You know, do you remember it? You know, when you could actually just go to the bookstore and almost smell it. Or am I just being a geek now, or a book lover that just reads likes book smells? <laughs> it's not you. I I'm with you on that one. I actually wrote an article about e-reader as opposed to real books. And yeah. as much as I love my Kindle, I'm kind of hiding the stacks of books around around my webcam <laughs> so that people can't see how much of a geek I am. Because between shoes and books, that's where my money goes. <laughs> but you know, saying that, I sort of all gone into the bandwagon of loving, you know, an e-reader as well. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm in London, and, you know, in the UK here, we tend to use a lot more public transport than over there in America, where I guess you guys tend to drive a lot more than use public transport. And the beauty for me uh, with regards to you reading an e-book is that, you know, I can have a lot of books, you know, on my phone that I don't have to drive along. So when I'm on the train, and, you know, sometimes... I tend to wish that the train journey lasts a really long time. Just so that I, you know, when you've got that really once in a lifetime 
really enjoyable reads that you're getting into, you just don't want it to stop, and you're just like, oh my god, you know, you keep looking, and before you know it, it's like time, you're at your destination, and you have to just pay attention to just make sure that you don't miss your stop, and it's like, oh really, it's like, you think to yourself, oh my god, I've got an hour's journey to get home, and then you blink, and it's like, the hour is gone, and you're like, oh wow, okay, that's gone really, really, you know, that's gone really quickly, and I think that's the beauty that Amazon and all the other companies, that's what they've brought, um, to the table. Okay, so um, I had a list of questions that you know I was I sort of posed to um, Dr. Braxton Cosby, um, you know, before the show. Um, and again, like I said, you know, due to technical difficulties, he wasn't able to connect with the call. And so when I sort of connected with him, I had asked him what inspired him to write his book, how long it took to write it, and if he did any um, in research to get up to get the information for the book. And what he said was that um, he sat down to when he sat down to write his health book, it was important that he brought something entirely fresh to the table. He felt so burdened as a healthcare provider to make sure that he impressed upon the reader the importance of leaving healthy first, and then stressing the value in taking ownership of where to play a role in the process. That is outlined in the first few pages of his book, Fatch Free for Life. His role becomes more of a facilitator, taking you through the process, acting as a personal trainer slash doctor slash friend who truly wants people to be the gatekeeper of their own wellness. After earning his doctorate in physical therapy and working in the field for over 14 years, he understood the disease processes linked to having chronic excess weight and experienced firsthand the outcomes of overindulgence and limited exercise and how that affects the body over time. He wanted to address these issues through the th um, 13 principles comprised of three levels, the body, which is science, soul, personally um, connecting through testimonials, and spiritually, uh, specifically with biblical teachings. He would say from start to finish, it took him about four months to finish his first draft and then the editing process was another month or so and then he also invested a bit of time um, of research on the 13 principles in the book to prove the effects of each one on the healing um, process. So now I'm going to go in with my guests to talk about the book um, and each of them is going to give their opinion um, on the book and what they thought um, of it. So Deb, as you read the book, what feelings did you get? Did the author deliver for you with his work? Uh, well, I didn't like it. Oh dear. No, I liked it toward the end, but I just didn't like it. At first, it made me feel very, very angry. You know, how dare a person preach at me? You know, that kind of thing. And then the author, I hate to be putting down the book. But the author seemed to be singling out women when there are so many obese men around. All you have to do is look out the front door, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and as a freelance editor, I have to say the book didn't seem to be cohesive or flow, you know. He, he went from the uh, biblical, he went to preaching at us, to throwing the guilt on us, and then he went to encouragement, 
then he went back to preaching, uh, you know, and there was no, like, transitional sentences or, or you know, the hashtags between scenes where you can just, which indicates a change of subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing like that. So I thought it was kind of disconnected there. Okay, okay. Right, so basically you didn't, so would you, is this something that you would recommend to someone, was there, was there, if you were going to rate it, what would you rate it overall, and would you recommend the book to anyone? I'd give it a two. He did have some information there toward the end, I thought. Mm -hmm. So two out of, is that two out of five or two out of ten? A two out of ten. Oh, wow, you're, you're hardcore, you're not, you're not taking any prisoners? Um, <laughs> and how about you, Nicole? You read the book as well. How else do you think this book could have played out? You know, what could the author have written differently? Well, first I want to address Deb because she just walked in and dropped the mic. She just like went off. So <laughs> kudos. I <laughs> love it. But um, yes, I did read the book as well. And I did have some of the same issues that Deb had with it. I think that while the idea was really great and I agree with him that fitness needs to be more than just about the body it needs to be about the mind and the spirit um, and I agree with that and I can appreciate his belief and his voice I feel like he focused only on that one belief instead of showing how spirit spirituality in general is paramount to changing habits instead of focusing just on his own belief he could have opened the door to other people saying you know you really need to focus on more than just your body to fix things you need to focus on your mind as well as your heart and your soul whatever you believe mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of I mean yes there's a lot of people who believe the same way that the author does but there's a lot of people out there that don't and it kind of, I, I think me and Deb kind of felt the same way on that is, is that it felt like it was more religious than it was inclusive to other avenues of spirituality. And I think that if, if the author was willing to go back to the drawing board with it, that he would take the suggestion to open it up to, it's great that he has his belief, but he could say, well, I believe this, I think that spirituality overall helps in healing the body and the mind and yeah. you know you have to find what that is for yourself my personal choice is this but this this is open to everybody and I think that he kind of he missed the target with his market because he's only marketing it to that one belief and mm -hmm. and I think that it could have been I think his idea is is great and I agree with a lot of what he had to say take out the religious parts of it and I think that he has a great beginning but he needs to change it from being all about preaching like like Deb said because I kind of felt like he was preaching to me as well yeah and bring it down to the level of you need to have some sort of a belief whatever that is you know whether yeah. you you believe in in Christianity or or Islam or you know Buddhism or or even if you just you know think hey there's the great purple people eater out in the sky <laughs> but, you know and it should be it should be a little bit more inclusive so it felt like it felt like and and I guess maybe if the title had been a little bit more um, 
open to showing us that it was really about religion and fitness, I think maybe we probably wouldn't have been so taken aback by what he was saying because yeah. we would have expected the religion. I think yeah. we both received the book and we were like, oh, it's a fitness book. It's self-help and we're going to open it. And all of a sudden, the I think the first five lines were Bible quotes. And I kind of went, yeah. what is this? Yeah. So you felt it was a bit of a mis the title was misleading as to what to expect from the book. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I felt like it was misleading. Yes, he's got 13 great thoughts, and if you take them at just those thoughts, they're great. Hmm. But he should have, I think, maybe a subtitle that says finding fitness through faith-based or something hmm. like I yeah. think maybe, you know, and have it a little bit, and, you know, take out those overt Christianity passages that he put in there and yeah. say, this is my personal belief, great, but any spirituality has to be involved with fitness. And I think if he if he saw that and wove it that way, I think mm -hmm. Deb probably, and of course, you know, add in there that there are some obese men too, because yeah. I kind of went, okay, yeah, not there's not just fat women, there's fat men, thank you very much. Yeah. I work with like about a thousand of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, I, I'm sure he's listening to the to the show now, and I, I well, I would hope that he will take you know some of your feedback on board, even though he's not able to chat with you guys um, live on the on the show. So that's it, you know, with regards to his book. Um, have you guys read any in the books in the last year? And if so, what's the best one um, for you? Let's start with you, Deb. So, have you read any in the books? You know, self published books in the last year. Oh, yes, as you know, I, I'm a former children's book reviewer, so I have read a lot. Yeah. But I, I think the best one was The Pea and the Peanut Butter. The Pea and Peanut Butter. Okay. By Alan M. Stotts, and it is really, really cute. It shows children just how good vegetables can be, and they all taste different, and they come in so mm. many different colors, and... Yeah. It's just really cute. Okay. Oh, perfect. And how about you, Nicole? Well, I was recently given a copy of The Naked Truth, Lies Stripped, by a wonderful writer that I happen to know you're friends with, um, Alex Okoroji, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. She might kill me. <laughs> um, and, and I thought it was just very funny and so heartwarming, and I think that she she wrote a very interesting journey and it's her own personal memoir with a little bit of wisdom in there and a whole lot of sass because she is just a sassy lady and I like it. So it's very gritty and it's very compelling and um, she's from Nigeria so as an American reader I had some some issues with um, turn of phrase but after I got past those I was completely hooked and I think she's just fabulous. Oh good, good. But then, sort of saying that, so if you read my book, where I use a lot of British English, would you get offended with that? I would not, because I want to move to London, so I would absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> I would be like, yes. <laughs> because I know that when I, you know, you know, when I, when I've been chatting with someone for a little bit, I always tend to go like cheers at the end, and then someone then goes and she just bursts out. She put like this big emoticon, and she just goes cheers. I really loved it, and then this emoticon in my email box was really laughing out loud. I was like, oh, okay. 
okay, like maybe it's just, uh, I don't know if it's just a me thing or if it's a, a UK thing, you know, to say cheers, but I just thought, yeah, cheers is quite, you know, it's just cheers, yeah, thanks, like, you know, but yeah, okay, perfect. Oh, just to sort of go back to what we were saying earlier on about Amazon, um, if you're an aspiring author, you know, I've just got one tip for you. It may sound really obvious, but a lot of people don't do this. Um, there's a saying that failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So what I mean by this is that it's important you do your research. Writing your book, like any author can tell you, writing a book is the easiest thing you can do, right? The hard, the hard work comes after you've written your book, right? Now, if you go on Amazon's Create Space, their website, you know, it has a guide which will give you a lot of basic information on things like book sizes, you know, a lot of things that I hadn't even considered, you know, like, you know, if you wanted your book to be on paperback, you know, what size book did you want it to be, you know, do you want it to be A4, A5, A3, whatever the difference, are. you know, it gives you basic information, it tells you information about cover quality, uh, cover image quality, you know, because I didn't even know what this was called, you know, but yeah, I will come into that in a second, yeah, but basically what I'm trying to say is that if you do your research, follow their guide, right, it will ensure that at the end of the day, the product that you have would be able to compete with those that are made by traditional publishers. So an example of what I mean is that before I read the guide, right, thinking about the quality of an image did not even cross my mind. All I just knew is, okay, I want a cover image done or I want an illustration for my book. I just, I'm just going to look for someone to get it designed for me because I can't do any design work myself, right? And I had an idea of what I wanted to do. But prior to getting the designer, I just sort of nosed around on CreateSpace website and then they, I then read something about DPI. Don't even ask me what DPI means, I have no idea. But it was kind of like, from what I understood when I was reading it, it was about the blurriness about, you know, of a cover image um, when it's printed. So if it doesn't meet a particular quality, or I think it's like 300 DPI, then it means that when it's printed, the book, you know, the image then becomes blurry. Now, if I hadn't done my research, I would have just said to a designer, design me, um, you know, cover image, right? Because I haven't specified what I wanted them to do, they could have done anything and given me any DPI, right? And then I will then have a problem when I take it to print. They're going to say to me, no, we can't use this because if we print it, it's going to come out blurry, right? So, you know, it's something that you have to, you know, to look at. And then, you know, you have to just go through, do your research, because if you don't do your research, you're going to end up failing, which I'm sure you don't want to happen, um, you know, when you're, you're, you're printing your book, because obviously you've got to be able to compete. Um, you know, when you're looking at the guide, it also has things about margination, you know, and, you know, you've got bleed and, you know, I still don't get my head around it, but I just sort of try to make sure that I follow all the sizes. So please do your research, okay? Even if you want your book to be available only as an ebook, you need to come um, con you need to consider the formatting as well. You know, you don't want to think where all the pages just get all jumbled up. So please do read up as much as you can before you make your book available finally. If all of this sounds complicated and you would like someone to talk you through what you're doing, I'm sure any of the authors on the show, you know, you can contact my uh, Twitter page and there are authors there. Um, I'm sure, you know, there's also Deb as well, who's a freelance editor, you know, who would, I'm sure would be happy to talk to you um, through it if you need any um, help. Um, but if not, if it all sounds complicated and you would like someone to talk through and if you would like to talk to me, you can also contact me for a one-to-one -one consultation. Um, all my contact details are in the show's description. Um, 
that's it for today. Um, if you would like to be in the audience for my next show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, and then you can get invitations, you know, for when the next show uh, will be on. Thank you, ladies, for sparing the time to come to the show, and I hope you've had a nice time. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Oh, great, great, great. Um, all right, my my um, virtual coffee, uh, hot chocolate. Um, is about to get cold now, so I guess I've got to finish it. And I think I forgot to add virtual whipped cream to my to my hot uh, hot chocolate. So next time, folks, please do come join me as I have my virtual uh, chocolate. I think we need to get all those geeky people to do like 3D projections, so that while we are having our chat, we can have our 3D projections of our of our virtual drinks. Um, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Um, if you like the show, please spread the word by sharing it with your friends and family. Um, you can contact me online anytime. I like hearing from everyone. Um, details are in the show's description. See you again next time on the Shagalala Salami Show.